0: Welcome. This podcast is brought to you by the Seaton Shrine and we're your hosts today. I am Bridget. And I am Lisa. And in each episode we're looking forward to sharing more stories about individuals who have tied to Elizabeth and or her mission. Um, today we have the pleasure of talking
1: with Sister Mary McCormick. She is a Sister of Charity of New York. She is a spiritual and retreat director, a writer, and presenter on topics of spirituality and the charity's charism.
0: Oh wow, like Sister Mary McCormick. I haven't met her but I talked to her on the phone a couple of times, mm-hmm. and she is just a doll. Yeah, so a what are fun. we planning on talking to her about?
1: So we're going to talk about Sister Cecilia Conway, who was um, the first sister to join Mother Seton's order, and she was with her in Baltimore in 1808. So we're going to fill in the gaps there. Well, that's great. Well, okay. I'm looking forward to it. All right, let's get started. Good morning, this is Sister
2: Mary McCormick.
1: Hi, Sister Mary. This is Lisa here from the Sea and and Bridget is with me.
0: Hi. Hi, Lisa and Bridget. Good morning. How are you today? Uh,
2: a little warm, but other, other than that, I'm fine. How's
0: it down in Emmitsburg? Um, it's going pretty good. It's like It's been really warm, but we've had, had thunderstorms the last couple of days. So it's really kind of while well, the humidity percentage had definitely gone up, getting that rain in and kind of somewhere with coolness, it's been really grateful. I'm just grateful, I'm grateful for it, yeah. I don't know about you, yeah. Lisa. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully you'll be getting some storms here soon.
2: Well, we got a terrible thunderstorm last evening, and we're Ooh.
0: supposed to get more rain tonight, so we're probably getting what you have. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So you guys are probably a day behind us. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So, well, um, thank you for um, connecting with us and working with yeah. Lisa to set up this call. Um, do you know what we're doing?
2: Well, I have a, a sort of an idea. Uh, let me tell you what I, I think is going on. You're doing. You're beginning or you're doing some podcasts mm-hmm. on maybe some of the early um, women. And one of them is Cecilia. So mm-hmm. I think you're doing a, a podcast on Cecilia O'Conway.
1: Yeah, that, yeah, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, so um, Sister Regina, she like gave you very high praises on being an expert on some of these sisters. So um, <laughs> we were hoping maybe, um, you know, being in New York, kind of having the inside track on maybe Cecilia and, um, I'm going to mess up her name, but Alrica O'Reilly? Alrica, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so we just wanted to know, you know, kind of feel you out and see if you
0: can help us with some things that we're interested in about both of them.
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, but I think that, you know, I don't know how much time you have, but we really wanted to talk more on Cecilia Conway. Um, so how much time do you have? So I can I'm help you track? I'm fine, I'm fine. This is
2: good. Oh, I have okay. hard to have this time for this conversation. Oh wonderful. And can I tell you R- Regina exaggerates? <laughs> see,
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, we yeah. talked her last <laughs> week it and she did great. But I do know I do know a bit about her, so I'm
2: I'm
0: happy to tell you whatever I know. <laughs> okay, okay. Well let um if we if it's okay, um we'll sum up what we kind of know and try to get to the meat of what we really yeah. want to talk to you about and get your yeah. insight. Okay. Um, yeah. All
1: right. Fair enough.
0: Good. Um,
1: so um, doing my research on Cecilia, you know, and around here, we're always told, you know, she was O'Conway, which were was a family that was really close to Mother Seton. She's considered like the first one to join the okay. Order. Um, she seems to have a very close relationship with Mother Seton, although there's, like, um, whispers of her not wanting to really be here. This wasn't really what she wanted. She wanted to be more in a cloistered convent. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, and I even see with, like, Mother Seton, she kind of has a little bit of a different relationship. Like, after Mother Seton is um, made mother the third time, it's kind of Cecilia writing to her, kind of boosting her up, you know, like saying that she can do this and and giving her confidence. And so Cecilia comes across to me as someone who had that confidence herself. Um, and then, but the interesting thing, the really thing I want to know is like after mother Seton passes away, Cecilia mm-hmm. goes to New York. She's sister servant there. She kind of takes over a little bit. Like she's making decisions without um, mother Rose white being aware she comes back here um, without permission. Um, and then she is Relieved of that position and asked to come back, but she doesn't until she hears from Father Dubois, which she doesn't. So, um, and then she kind of makes arrangements on her own to leave and become an Ursuline. So I, I, that was new information for me, and I just kind of was wanting to know what you know about that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, I think that you know, many people when they hear about these early sisters, you know, they think that they were just these holy cards, you know, and uh, they just. Uh, you know walked on a, a long straight line, you know, and they have some fascinating stories uh, to tell you know, and I think that
1: Cecilia is one of them um, I, Myself,
2: I think that Cecilia was really um, I think she had a vocation to religious life for sure But she was not in the right community okay. You know she when when she met up with um uh, Father Babad, who was preaching um, a mission in Philadelphia where her family um, was living, he sort of pers- she she was all packed and ready to go to a monastery in in Spain, you know, right. to become a contemplative uh, sister there.
1: Right.
2: And he sort of persuaded her to join Elizabeth Seton, who was at that moment still in in uh, Baltimore, as you as you know, she had not yet moved out of the Paca Street house where she was teaching but preparing uh, somewhat, you know, to undertake this new, this new um, religious community about which, I mean, none of these women had much understanding of religious life. Elizabeth probably had never seen a nun in her life, you know, so this is all very new and, and kind of exciting and Cecilia is, Called America's first postulant because she was there with Elizabeth in 1808 and then she goes with her to Emmitsburg when they when they move there in um, in the following year
1: mm-hmm. so she's a, a, a very she's a very
2: holy person she's a very spirit she's a very smart lady um, I have you you know her father was a linguist
1: right he right. had been
2: born in Ireland and had to kind of leave in the dead of night because he had been involved in some of the Irish Troubles, you know. So right. uh, so he was a linguist, and I think he passed that uh, to his daughter because she was very, very good in both French and Spanish. So um, when, when they moved to Emmitsburg and started the... Um, the academy and the free school, but especially the academy. Mm-hmm. She was the one who, who, who taught the languages, you know, the, the, especially French. Yeah. And right. the, 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 the girls loved her, you know. I mean, there was something very endearing about her. At the same time, and I think you picked it up when you were talking about her relationship with Elizabeth Seton, at the same time that she had this wonderful way with the, with the students, with the young women, she had this little you know when she she spoke with elizabeth when elizabeth was formally made the the, what we would call the mother of the community you know you you've you've got to be kind of you know you've got to take this community in hand and you've got to you know you've got to keep us on the straight path i mean she was kind of a little um i don't know what you would call it but behind this facade of this very loving person, which she was, there was also this other part of her Mm -hmm. that was more or less, you know, stricted to the letter. And my sense of Cecilia was that all of this activity, all of this coming and going, you know, and Mm -hmm. especially after 1817, when she um, was sent on a mission to New York, Mm -hmm. and I'll talk about that in a minute, but all of this activity wasn't sitting well because she longed for a contemplative life, you know? So as long as Elizabeth was alive, Elizabeth was able to kind of keep that that in check because of course, they were also very prayerful people in Emmitsburg, I mean, they prayed.
0: Right. A <laughs> lot, a yeah. lot. Yeah, yeah, she <laughs> yeah. so, had a very like, rigorous schedule or prayer, yeah. like um, are um help me and I live in history program of right. uh, saying that the sisters would walk to town and would say the rosary like it was timed perfectly. So yeah. it's exactly like every member right. they had it was to be in prayer, right. but yet they right. were actively working too. Yeah, <laughs> in exactly the same occupation Right, yeah. right.
2: So what we would call, you know, contemplative prayer maybe um, was not as high on the list. I mean, people had personal prayer lives for sure. But a lot of that was vocal prayer, like the rosary, and uh, they would listen to spiritual reading and that kind of thing. A lot of it was what we would call vocal prayer, which of course Cecilia would do, but I think she longed for a less hectic life, I guess. You know, yeah, which and is she um, imagined that that would be her lot if she was actually in a cloister.
1: Yeah, I'm just thinking here as you're saying this. You know, when she was growing up, she was very close to her her family, but they were very adventurous. I mean, they they got when she was six months old. The story goes she got in, they got into a canoe and traveled down the Mississippi River, and <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they went to um, Cuba. They, you know, they traveled quite a bit, and I'm wondering if. She kind of wanted the rest, like wanted, you know, needed the opposite in a way, maybe.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right that yeah, the father, you know, the 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 Irish are adventurers. They they uh, many of them, you know, they have populated the entire earth at, <laughs> at, at one time or another. And I think that was part of Matthias O'Conway's uh, modus operandi. You know, I do you know um, this fact and and Probably somewhere in your notes, you have it. Um, when he was, when they were in Cuba, I guess he picked up a a, a painting of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Do you we, know Do you know that story? Um, well, we know we have it here, so we bring it out, right. and we know it was a gift to Mother Seton. Do you know more?
2: Well, it was a gift to Mother Seton from Matthias O'Connor. Right, mm-hmm,
1: right.
2: And it was hanging in the. Um, well, I call it a novitiate, but I guess the, the daughters call it the seminary room for many years. And I think they lost track of you know, who, who gave it and what the importance was. And I think they took it down for cleaning or something and discovered on the back of the painting. Now, the one in the Guadalupe room is a, is a replica. I think they keep the original in the archives.
0: Yeah, right. yeah. Yes, yeah it was um, in the archive. And we um, found like, Kind of like a, a hint, or it was like kind of putting a puzzle together. But it seems like when this was gifted to Mother Satan, um, she actually hung it up in the sanctuary in the White on uh, the White House, the White oh, okay. House Chapel. Okay. So it was up there for a period of time, and then there were um, what it what was in the corners. In the four corners were. Um. shoot yeah Uh, we'll have to get into those details (laughs) later but that was that was the way that's a little bit of the story that we know that it was given by matthias conway cecilia's father and he and he done a lot of painting like he was just a huge it seems like he was just a huge collector so we know that he retained that painting he had it up in the chapel of the white house then eventually at some point in time somebody ended up cutting off the corners yeah. and was moving those pieces in other rooms of the house. That's the way the story goes, that's oral oh, tradition. Yeah, so okay. we don't really know okay. it so much. But yeah, the yeah. original is here in archive and we do bring it out, um, well, we brought it out for the first time to the public last December for okay. the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And um, so were quite fascinating. We got quite a crowd that came after yeah. the day to see this painting. But, yeah, I yeah. mean,
1: I think that's another thing that she shares with her father. Like when I was going through a lot of her letters, um, even um, Margaret George, I think, or maybe Elizabeth Boyle makes a comment to her in a letter about uh, the first Christmas here and her with her stable. And um, there's all these references of of wanting to gift or wanting to get um, – religious items, but, but not expensive, like, like things that would mean things. Like she, she asked her sister years later to draw pictures for her of the sacred heart. She asked if there's someone here that can draw her a picture of the cemetery and send it to her. So it seemed like, I don't know if you want to say that she was a visual person or whatever, but, and I don't think it was in a um, selfish way and wanting to gather things. I think that was, she truly wanted to gift Things to people, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. you know, and I think her father was that way, giving things to Mother Seton. Um, it's just interesting to me. I just kept seeing those references all the way through. Right, and Elizabeth does write to somebody about
2: the fact that she got that that painting,
1: mm-hmm. some woman. Yeah, we'll have to find yeah. that. Um, yeah,
2: yeah, and I, it's just a very passing kind of a, a reference. I'm thrilled because I think Our Lady of Guadalupe, I just love Our Lady of Guadalupe mm-hmm. and that whole story. And I'm thrilled to think that Elizabeth knew Guadalupe, you know, mm-hmm. and, right. and that painting, um, it, it's just very special. And I think today with, um, you know, so many of our, um, you know, Hispanic um, uh, people, you know, the fact that that we are connected in that way uh, to Our Lady of Guadalupe. It's just kind of thrilling to me. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Would you say that um, Cecilia had maintained, I guess, a, a devotion towards Our Lady of Guadalupe too?
2: I wouldn't say that. Okay. I, You know, she may have, but I don't ever remember her referencing Our Lady of Guadalupe. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Um I, I noticed like through the letters, there was one letter where she um, is writing her father And she's talking about that Mother Seton will be the godmother for her younger brother, um, Pedro, I guess, sometimes we say Peter. Um, But it's interesting that same letter she mentions William being sick. And it kind of dawned on me, like William was sick in 1809, for some reason, I'm always thinking of him as this older teenager He was only 13. Mm. Um, Mother Seton's son. Yeah, yeah. Mother Seton's son. But it just shows the closeness there, I think, that they wanted Mother Seton to be the godmother of their side, mean, and right,
2: you you get the feeling, uh, you know, from from uh, from uh, all of the, the things that I've read that um, Elizabeth really loved that O'Connor family, especially Matthias. She had some connection with him, you know. You don't hear too much about the mother, but um, yeah, and and uh, you know, one of them visited. Well, Matthias visited, but um, uh, Joseph.
1: Yes, her brother
2: one of, the, one, of the, one of her brothers um, visits her it now as far as I know there were about ten people in that family there I think they had eight children
1: yeah yeah actually there. I think they had nine maybe she had six brothers and, okay um, because I know she outlives all of them um,
2: and for one who uh, you know when when she finally gets now we're skipping around a little bit but I know when she finally gets up to um, to the visitation of, um Convent monastery up in Canada, um, she is really sick for quite a period of time. You know, I think she might have had, um, I don't know, some kind of um, stomach problems, or, you, you know, I don't think she was necessarily a very healthy person, which makes it stunning to me that she lived as long as she did, you know, because right. yeah. um, right. she.
0: Yeah, you know yeah. What that reminds me of. It reminds me of um, Catherine mm-hmm. Seaton too. You know that Catherine Seaton <laughs> was thought to be a a frail health, and Mother Seaton was sent her to New York um, to family and friends mm-hmm. in fear of her health. That's one oral tradition, and but yeah, even Catherine Seaton outlives. Um, of her siblings. Oh, she, and yeah, family. she lives forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and it seems like, so between Cecilia Conway and Catherine Seaton, they seem to have a connection too, right, they end up really developing a close relationship. Yeah, there's a, um, a
1: letter, I think, by Elizabeth Boyle where she's telling Cecilia that she had seen Catherine and that she right, was yeah. gonna be coming to visit her, and I think she does, because yeah. I think Cecilia oh. makes the comment that she looks a lot older, or Elizabeth Boyle makes that comment that she looks a lot older since they had seen her last.
0: Yeah. So, uh, do you have any um, reference on that? Like, do you know that actually was okay. true that I Catherine think... and Cecilia stay in close contact?
2: Well, I just have the same. I think I just have the same letters that you do. I don't mm-hmm. think I have anything different from what from what you're saying. Okay.
1: Um. So Cecilia. Um. Again, she like I guess towards or close to Mother Seton's passing. Um, again, she's like with Mother Seton, and she wants her to like have a crucifix with her and all of these things with her. And I think it just shows again that she just wanted to make sure that Mother Seton was was good. She was going to go to heaven, and yeah. I think. <laughs> and but, you know, that's on the
2: one hand. On the other hand, all Elizabeth really wanted to do was to concentrate on, you know, dying and, and being with, you know, being with her Lord and being with her family. And I think you get the sense that she didn't really need or want that crucifix, you know, that right. it was almost a distraction for her, you know, but this was Cecilia's way of making sure that, you know, <laughs> Elizabeth was going to, was going to do it. She was going to get to heaven, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's
1: and, beautiful. um, And Cecilia also makes a comment about the last time that um, Elizabeth's son, Richard, comes. um, And she just remarks that, you know, well, she says about Elizabeth, the poor heart keenly felt the pain of that last separation. And that's really the only reference that I've ever seen um, with Richard being here, like how difficult that was for Mother Seton when he left.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, uh, yeah, her boys really... um Gave her a lot of a, a lot of heartache, and you know, Richard was such a. Although he, you know how he died, but you know, he mm-hmm. he just he wasn't able to make it. You know, for some reason, I think it might have been the absent father. You know, um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly what his what his problems were, but uh, for a long time, he just kind of floundered. He was not he was not a success in in any way. And then in the end you know he dies saving that protestant clergyman's life you know on that boat so you, you know they all kind of she was kind of tough on them i think elizabeth you know but i think that they came through in the end uh you know william was a devout catholic all his life he raised his children catholic he had you know, the mm-hmm. daughter who was a sister, a nun and uh, a sister of Mercy, actually, right. and the son who was the, uh, the became a, a bishop. But, you know, her,
1: his wife never converted. But right. she
2: allowed all of that to happen.
1: <laughs> right, which is great. Mm-hmm. So now we get to Elizabeth passing away, and Cecilia is sent to New York. So Well,
2: she sent to New York in 1817.
1: Right, but then she comes back.
2: But she comes back because apparently she wasn't feeling well. She was ill. Okay. Right. She comes back, I think, in 1819. Right. And then She's there, as you, as, as you said, you know, in 1821. Then she goes back. Yes, yeah, she right. goes back in August.
1: And that seems to be where, like, the trouble starts to come about. Where yeah. she's making decisions um, without Mother Rose White's approval, I guess, and comes back yeah. here See, without I, permission. I just think, I,
2: I really think now, and I I can't prove this, but I really think that she was she waited until after Elizabeth died mm-hmm. before she actually acted on what had been, you know, something that had been churning in her in her life for maybe a number of years. You know, you know when when she was sent to New York. With Elizabeth, uh, with um, by Elizabeth, you know, Elizabeth makes that that really kind of interesting quote about this is not a country of solitude and silence, but warfare and crucifixion.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: No, I mean, whoa, <laughs> you know, she, and and she's sending. Her. It's it's an interesting combination too because Cecilia always took the part of Elizabeth. You know when they were ha- when she and Rose White were having that problem with Zavi, um, you know, who was, you know, championing championing, championing um Rose to become the, the mother, or you know,
1: right.
2: You know there was there was a real tension between the two of them, and Cecilia was on the side of Elizabeth, as were many of the others. Right. And what does Elizabeth do but? You know, send her to New York with Rose, who was probably the most capable person in the community at that time, maybe Margaret George, and she And uh, she said, take good care of Rose, you know, and take care of Felicita, who is another piece of work. Uh, I don't know if you've, you've met her yet, Felicita Brady? No, we
1: haven't done her yet.
2: Ah, yeah, she's another piece of work, but she's <laughs> here. <laughs> um, you know, young, she's a younger, she's a younger woman, and, um, yeah.
0: So we'll have to so we're <laughs> for her later, and we'll talk about her another time. Then.
1: Right,
2: right, 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 yeah. she's. Uh, well, she leads, eventually she leads the, time, the community in 1845. Oh,
1: wow, that was a long time. And uh,
2: last seen in the house of a Presbyterian minister, oh. and writes um, <laughs> to Emmitsburg, to ask if she could be buried in the cemetery, and she is. Oh wow! She's buried in the old cemetery there as Fel- Felicita Brady. Of course, she's not a sister anymore, but she's there. So you know, I mean, these stories are fascinating. Or they yeah. Huh? Yeah,
1: <laughs> to they get are. back
2: to Cecilia. <laughs> yeah. When when she goes back in August. So it's August in eighteen twenty one, Elizabeth. Elizabeth has died, Rose has become the second mother, you know, what was going on between the two of them, you know, maybe this old, you know, stuff that had happened, you know, years before that was still on Cecilia's mind, I, you know, it's hard to know. But then in April of 1822, I hope I have these dates right, she's she's put in short... In charge of the first pay school in New York.
1: Okay, I did see and that. And
2: what happens? You know, I mean, this this is incredible. Now, I don't know if these dates are right, but I, I'll just say what I have here. You know, okay. in April she's put in charge of this school. July she goes back to St. Patrick's, uh, the orphanage, as the administrator, and then in December she's she's replaced by Elizabeth Boyle. Who comes to New York to be the uh, to be the administrator. So April, July, December, I mean all of this coming and going and all of this, you know moving around and all of this hustle and bustle trying to juggle all of the the parts of the um, you know the the program that she was asked to do. I think I really think it just I think she had a breakdown. I really do. I oh, think it, it just became too much for her
1: yeah i mean because it seems like she it's almost like she became a different person than what we had seen previously she's all of a sudden this person that's being uh, disobedient and mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense with what we've seen the previous 10 years um well, that's exactly. a good theory
0: that she were right, just reaching right. her breaking point right <laughs> right
2: right so you have the letter that rose white sent to the superior you know about has she refused to come home, you know, when, when she, you know, wanted to leave to become, you know, to go up to Canada and to become one of the, uh, cloisted sisters, she refuses to come home. She, yeah, it's, it's almost as if she has, it's almost now, I'm not saying this, but, but you know, it's almost like a split personality. Yeah. As a,
1: as <laughs> That's what was so curious yeah. to me. Like she just seemed to change so abruptly. And I could, you can't make sense as to why. Exactly. Exactly. exactly.
0: Well, I think the why is, um, I think it's a good theory of the why. It's just that, you know, it's that com- constant coming and going, the action, and like you said it very nicely, like deep down in her, it's been kind of brewing for a right, year right. that she just really wanted a contemplated life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, Sister Mary, do you have? More on what becomes of Cecilia when she leaves, like how that all transpired, and then her life in with the Ursuline. Um, yeah, what kind of happened there? Did she leave on bad terms? She left on bad terms
2: with everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. she had nobody. Apparently, from what I can gather, reading in between the lines, she she uh, she had she had nothing to say to anybody. Um, you know, it was all of this, I'm afraid to go back, you know, I'm scared of going back to Emmitsburg, you know, and finally, um, from one of the things that Rose White says in that letter to the Superior, she said, all right, if you don't want to come back, stay in your father's house, you know, the, well, in the, the daughters of charity still make those annual, uh, vows, right. but, you know, and that's all they really wanted. They wanted her to stay till March 25th and she just refused to do it. Wow. But when she gets up to Canada, so uh, apparently she's in her father's house. Goes to Canada, and she is treated so beautifully mm-hmm. by the sisters yeah. up there, by the, the by the reverend mother,
1: yeah,
2: the resident daughter. I mean, she's just. Yeah. and I think that because of that wonderful reception that she got, and the fact that even though she was still teaching. You know, it was the children would come to the to the monastery, you know, and and have their lessons and so forth. Uh, it was just a whole other
1: world for her. Right. Yeah, and she. I mean, there's a there's a lot of letters, and she seems to be doing really, really well. It seems somewhere in like the 1840s she reconnects with um, Margaret George and Elizabeth, Elizabeth Boyle.
2: Elizabeth Boyle. Yes. Um, we we got those letters, and I. And I'm not sure how it <laughs> happened, but I know our Regina Bechtel, she was she got some of those letters. I think that the Ursulines had them in a trunk or something up in, <laughs> up in Canada, and they found them, and they sent them down, you know. And I don't know whether they sent them to Evansburg first or to Regina first, but, you know, all of those letters uh, kind of came not that long ago to wow. us. Oh, wow. But letters that she and Margaret George exchanged and also that she and Elizabeth Boyle exchanged, mm-hmm. you can tell that all of whatever that anxiety was, whatever that breakdown was, has kind of disappeared and she's she's now talking about how much she loves the Although she she does she's a little snarky, you know, I didn't get you know, I didn't get the, the message that Somebody had died, I think, or maybe maybe a, a, somebody had written a book or
1: the, yeah, the, she, something um, she yeah, she's commenting in one of the letters. I think that there uh, maybe Charles White has written that book on Mother Seton by then. I can't remember, but she's like, I know there's something written, and no one bothered to send me a copy. Um, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: So you know, there's that still that little thing that she has, and yet. I think that especially her affection for both Margaret George and Elizabeth uh, was very genuine and never really left her, you know? It was in abeyance there for a while, but uh, you can tell, and you can tell from their letters to her how much they loved her, you know? Right. And appreciated her contribution to the, to the early community.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was definitely picking up on that in some of her letters, like she, and she does have a respect for the sister of charity of Saint Joseph and you know and has some content right. in what she was right. called to do at that time, working alongside with Mother Seton. Okay. Um, but then she also admits that she is happy in the vocation of the cloister life, you know, yeah. um, the quietness and stuff. And it, and it seems like in some of her letters that she will say, I don't wanna ever go back to that caller. Right.
1: I don't know. I she says
0: something of, um, "I shall never think of the valley of Saint Joseph and its holy inmates." You know, like <laughs> the Joseph word is like, "Ooh, it's not like a, this would, you know, this place could have trapped her, and she would have just been miserable." You know, at the same time, even though she holds great reverence or respect yeah, to that kind of, yeah, because that's life. in a letter to Margaret George, and like in that same letter,
1: she talks about how it's almost like she's giving respect to the sisters. Here She's like I was too cowardly to witness the misery of human nature without always having the liberty or the power to alleviate them No, no one can have any idea how much I used to suffer when I visited the poor So she um, she kind of is admitting that it was hard for her to be out in the world and to see so much suffering um, right and, and you know that you know teachers social
2: workers versus you know you have to build up some kind of a defense against all of that suffering or you can't do anything and I think that's what she's she's saying you know that it was so overwhelming you know all of the poverty and all of the of the uh, the 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 sadness that she experienced especially on mission in New York it just became too much and she didn't have a defense
1: against it right and I think. Maybe it's maybe it's all those years being an Ursuline. She starts to kind of get some perspective on maybe, maybe what she didn't even realize herself when she was kind of in it. Um, sure. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, I I think you know we have
2: um we have experience in our own community of sisters who leave us for a more contemplative life. You know, and it's it's the fact that. They have a religious vocation, but you have to not only have that calling, but it's to a particular way of life. And I think that that from the very beginning was what happened to Cecilia. She definitely had a vocation. It was just not to that active religious life that, that was part of the experience that she had as a Sister of Charity. And when she got to uh, Montreal and she got you know, to the, to, to this place where she really felt at home, well. it it made it, it cured her, it healed her. You know, she she became the Cecilia that you know we knew in the uh, in the early days of the
1: community. Mm-hmm. Now, I I want to ask because it's um, Bridget and I've been talking about this a lot lately. But in some of the letters, like with with Margaret George, um, you know, after everything that had happened in Cincinnati, they have this exchange where they're talking about. Remembering the early days here and the one heart, one soul. Have you heard that um, comment before? Yeah.
2: Um, now, in, in Margaret George is is talking about the early days in the in the valley, right? Right,
1: right. And how kind of how they were together. They were they were one heart, one soul. When um,
2: yeah, when the see they were part of the foundation of the community. When the community was very very small you know and where everybody knew one another i mean everybody who was uh who had entered knew everyone else and even though the missions started early they started in 1814 and then in 1817 by the time that that margaret is writing that you know their, their sisters have been sent on mission to many many different places right. and it was hard to keep connected or to even know if you were on mission in Cincinnati, you would not necessarily know people who would maybe entered at a different time and were sent on mission, you know, someplace else. So mm-hmm. I think that's what she's meaning, you know, that the community had gotten larger, which is a good thing, but that caused, you know, that, that closeness, that connection to kind of be lost.
1: Right. Right, I think that's, that's kind of what happened in New York, right? That Father Duval was worried about the sisters being stretched too far.
2: Well, um, y- yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, um, do you um, have any last thoughts on Cecilia that you would like to share with us?
2: Well, d- um, do, you, do you know the story of the miraculous medal?
1: You know, I've seen a little reference to that. Um, you know, I think she was ill and really felt like that helped her. Yeah, she. Um, now the story, and I think it's
2: part of the same story that that you have. Um, the, most of the girls that came to the uh, to the monastery to, you know, for classes, probably because it is Canada. Uh, you know, as most of them are Catholic. But there was one girl who was Protestant, and and apparently the miraculous medal had just they had just received some some miraculous medals, I guess, at the monastery. I think that they probably did not. I don't think that Cecilia would necessarily have known that the miraculous medal was given by Our Lady to um, you know one of the French Daughters of Charity. You know that that little uh, Catherine Laboure. I don't know that she would have known that story. But anyhow. The girls decided that they would like to do a novena, a miraculous medal novena, mm-hmm. um, to get this <laughs> this poor Protestant converted. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, you know, it worked because she decided that she wanted to become a Catholic. And then they prayed for, Cecilia prayed, you know, uh, to Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal because she, for many years she could not keep the rule as strictly as, you know, some of the other... People in the community. She was not able to get up at whatever time they got up in the morning to to do those early prayers because of her, you know, her illness. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and I think that was maybe the, I don't know, OBGYN or something. But anyhow, it worked. She was on the the last day apparently. Now this might be, you know, apocryphal, but I like it. I like the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the last day of the novena, she was able to get up and to, Present herself in the in the chapel for morning prayer. Wow. So it's it's interesting to me, however true it is, because of this connection that all unknowing uh, she has with the daughters of charity.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I like Cecilia. I think she um, <laughs> she she meant a lot to Mother Seton, and I think. Um, she helped her a lot, uh, giving her confidence, being a confidant, you know, and um, giving her that support. So I think she's important, even though she left the overall story.
0: So given the last um, topic, you know, with the miraculous medal, and perhaps it seems like there might have been, I, I don't know, I don't want to say influence. I don't think influence is the right word, but it seems like perhaps Cecilia kind of had a little bit of a, a hand or acknowledgement of the Vicentian. Um We know that Elizabeth and Seton were definitely translating the works of Louise. Louise. And, yeah. um, and I apologize, I kind of think on top of my head a little bit, but the, what I'm trying to get to is like looking at Cecilia, you know, she kind of feels like she spends her whole life in discernment basically, to find her vocation, where it is. And yesterday I actually came across a quote um, or words from St. Vincent de Paul uh, about, you know, on discernment. And and it, it just seems like after hearing you speak and the conversation, it sort of I, it makes me wonder, like, oh, I wonder if just really ever looked at St. Vincent's words, too. And the one quote that I'm going to reference is called, he writes, Is the solution of your uncertainty is a matter that must be resolved between God and yourself. Continue to pray for God's inspiration about what you are to do. And you know, so it's like a whole process that is a holy act. And then the minute that you can give um, that you receive Christ's peace, that's when your decision can lead you to new beginnings. So even with the miraculous medal, on the, with the novena on the last day, it's like she used the entire period to get herself to peace so then that way she can, you know, be led to getting up on that last day and getting out there. You know, just like small little acts, but it just sort of makes me look at the bigger picture sometimes. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I think
2: that's an, that's a an wonderful insight. And I think that's right. I think that's right. Um, mm-hmm. She had to take every step of the journey that she took mm-hmm. to get to where sh- she belonged. You know, that's, and it took her a long time and there was a lot of, um, there were a lot of little twists and turns along the way. Mm-hmm. But in the end, she, she got there. And I don't think that even though, you know, she had that whatever you wanna call it, you know, between the death of Elizabeth and when she she go, she leaves the community, that little interim period, you know, I, I, the fact that Margaret George and Elizabeth Boyle, they probably did not know that part of the story because when they write to her, it's with the highest regard and love and respect mm-hmm. and admiration. I don't think that they would have maybe been able to do that if they had known you know that little part of her of her life yeah. so um, she just I think she she needed it all to become who she became in the end yeah. and she was certainly as a sister charity an exemplary woman religious I mean this is nobody that could say anything more of it there's less
1: yeah, and I I, I kind of love the fact that Margaret George and Elizabeth Boyle and Cecilia Conway become friends because they're all kind of like the rebels in this situation, mm-hmm. <laughs> you yes, know. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes.
2: And you know, incidentally, now this is, this is a little bit, uh, you know, new paragraph, indent and capitalize here, <laughs> but when Elizabeth Boyle writes to Cecilia about... Um, the the split that happened in 1846 between some of the members of the New York community and Emmitsburg, this is the first time that she's able to open up. You know, they were very circumspect in those days. You know, they never really told you the whole story. Mm -hmm. And she she had kept that in in her heart for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And she was able to let Cecilia know what her feelings were about what had happened. Uh, in In that breakup,
1: yeah, it's it's a very interesting um, they love, I think their letters are very interesting back and forth. You really learn a lot about them and and then it wasn't easy. It wasn't like they made these decisions with happiness. I mean there was a little bit of sadness with with each one of them, I think, making the decisions they did. Oh my
2: gosh. oh yeah, it really it tore their hearts out, you know, both. Both Elizabeth and the women who remained in New York, you know, that, that story, and, which is very different from Margaret George's story in Cincinnati, but nevertheless, there was that, you know, that, that uh, breakup. Right. Uh, it, it tore them apart. It tore them apart. And, you know, Margaret George, who was such a poet, she just really, um, I think she had um, much more of a stealing, uh, poetic side to her than many of the other sisters she was able to reflect in poetry about some of the some of the feelings that she had you know much more than than maybe some of the other sisters who who didn't have that kind of language or that kind of feeling
0: yeah 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 it just seems like the you know religiously for them is a commitment that orders every relationship that they have, you know, family, friends, co-workers, anybody with, you know, well, co-sisters, not co-workers, but co-sisters, you know, <laughs> yes, and then yes, the community. Yes. And, yeah. you know, and then and they work together to, you know, really formulate the vocation um, and enter into, you know, prayerful listening and careful consideration of factors. And then all that can lead to um, and understanding our particular charism, you know, the life and the ministry within the community, no matter where they are. And it seems like at the end of that, like you're talking about the friendship between the three women, it's like there's that mutual, it was like, it was like a mutual process almost to yeah. really develop the relationship, not only just for the charism of charity, but with the relationship with God.
1: Mm-hmm. Right,
0: yeah,
1: like, yeah and and i like how Catherine seaton's kind of like the i don't know how to say it but it's like she's she's friends with all of them it's almost like she's a little bit giving the approval that this was all okay you know even though i'm a sister of mercy and yeah. we've all kind of separated from the early days of Emmitsburg. we're still kind of united in a way yeah yeah,
2: yeah i have a little i have a little theory about about why um Catherine went to the mercies um I, and i have no knowledge that it was true but the, the given reason was that she felt that if she had entered her mother's community that maybe more would be made of her, you know that she would be treated spe- in a special way that was different from the other sisters. And that may very well be part of it. but the other part for me was when the when the uh, Mercy sisters came from Ireland, it was in 1845, and uh, they came. They came to New York, and Bishop John Hughes, Dagger John, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. he, was, he was very. I mean, he was he was an Irishman, yeah. <laughs> very happy that they came. But that was also the time that there was all of that that problem between Emmitsburg and New York and the the care of the orphan boys and you know the, the part that John Hughes played in all of that. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that he thought that maybe the the charity community would not survive it, you know?
1: Yeah. So
2: I think when uh, uh, Catherine was working for him, you know, she she was doing good deeds for him, and I I have a feeling that he's centered to the Mercies because First of all, they were Irish, but secondly, he he might have felt that maybe this, you know, this problem with that was happening with the with the charities would would um, cause the community to just implode, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. she was one of the first members, American members of the of the Sisters of Mercy, mm-hmm. and boy, did she do a great job. Yeah. She was <laughs> unbelievable, yeah. you know, for all that time that she in
0: the community. Yeah. Well, think would you, um, if we were to do a podcast on Catherine Seton in the later years, more on such a mercy to the end of your life, it sounds like you are very intrigued by that. You know, like you have your own little theory. Um, would you be up for doing another podcast with us on that topic? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. I'm oh, yeah, yeah, happy to do that. <laughs> I shouldn't tell. I'm, this is just a little exciting for me. Oh, I'm
2: wonderful. <laughs> it's exciting for us. <laughs> know, that's great. That's who, for whom this is really very exciting.
1: Interesting and exciting. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, this—I mean, this was great today. Um, yeah, we're we're really loving learning more about all of these sisters and how they kind of came together.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, uh-huh. um, the ripple effect of Mother Sheaton, right? And it's just yeah, it's yeah. Just, I, yeah. It's very interesting to see those dynamics um, and and getting a better insight to. Elizabeth being here in Amherstburg in the founding of the city of St. Joseph and it's just how it all came to be All the way up to present day, so
2: yes, 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 and and, you know um, Sometimes, you know, we 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 can kind of regret That the community split the way it did and yet at the same time the fact is that It actually, the charism, the charism grew and spread, you know, through the New York community and through the Cincinnati community, all of the other members of the original Sisters of Charity Federation came from them. Mm -hmm. And then it's just grown and grown and grown until now we're what about 15 or 16 members of the, you know, it it was all part of God's plan. Yeah, yeah. It just, Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, it all worked out. Well, it did. It did, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking with us today. Um, I know we didn't get to Ulrika Riley, but we'd like to call you back and talk about her too, if that's okay.
2: Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Ulrica is she's a great gal. She's a great gal. Um, you know that Forrest Gump, uh, that movie Forrest Gump? Yeah. You know, uh, every place that there's something happening, in the world, Forest Bump seems to be there. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's <all> Ulrika. <laughs> Every funny. important thing that happened in the community during her lifetime, she was she was there. She she just she just showed up at all of these different places. <laughs> so I'd be happy to talk. Yeah. Uh,
1: exactly.
2: with, with you about her, yes.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for today, it was a real pleasure. I think we both learned, Bridget and I both learned a lot, and um, we're, we were very fascinated with Cecilia Conway and you kind of really cleared that up. It makes her so much a m- more interesting person, I think, you know.
2: Okay, well, you're, you're very welcome, it was just it was just my pleasure. And maybe, you know, when you want to talk, you could just give me a little uh, email.
1: Oh yes, absolutely. At, at and say yes. it in a time, just the way we did today. Yes, absolutely. Okay, great, great,
0: right. okay. But thank well, so
2: thank you so much.
0: Thank <laughs> you Have so much. Thank you, I hope day. that the weather, okay. you know, keep working towards fuller. giving us cooler <laughs> temperatures, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, but yeah. not too much of crazy storms, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Okay, okay, yeah. take care now, bye-bye. Bye. Oh, I thought that was great. I think that's Cecilia. I don't think yeah. we need to do anything else. <laughs> So, um, anyways, um, thank you everyone for listening to our podcast. I hope that you enjoyed listening <laughs> on, um, tuning into Cecilia. We talked, again, talked about a lot of people within the podcast and we're trying to get to all these people as much as we can, but I think we learned a lot out of Cecilia. Yeah. I think my... we
1: covered her whole story.
0: Yeah. I mean, Like you said, there's really nothing more to
1: add to it. Right, I mean, we covered right. it all. Yeah. She's very interesting though. So. Well, thank you for joining us today. Until next time. Bye.